Hello, everybody. I am Chase. I am Dawson. And this is the CHC podcast. We are so excited to be joined today uh, by just an incredible person at FQHC in Missouri. And that is Samantha Galen and joining us from the Missouri Highlands Community Health Center. Samantha, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate you guys uh, giving me this opportunity. Absolutely. Well, Samantha is the heartbeat to Missouri Highlands, handling all things benefits for that community health center in Missouri. And before we get going on two incredible topics and benefits in the community health center world, uh, Samantha, let's start off on your background. How did you get involved in benefits? How did you get involved with federally qualified health centers? So um, I actually started here a little over 14 years ago um, at the front desk and just kind of made my way up through the ladder, so to speak. Um, I began doing benefits for the organization as an HR assistant probably as soon as 2011, 2012, and it just kind of stuck. It's something I've always really enjoyed. Um, in 2014, I was promoted to the Human Resources Manager here at Missouri Highlands, and after about seven years of doing that, uh, I decided that really wasn't something I wanted to continue doing. I needed a better work-life balance, so to speak, and uh, I became the executive assistant and benefits coordinator here at Missouri Highlands. So the benefits never left me. I didn't want those to go anywhere. It's something I enjoy. Um, it's it's the best part, I think, to uh, the employees coming on board is getting to share what we can offer. And um, just working with you all has been uh, kind of a godsend, actually. It's, it's been very easy, and you've made it so easy for all of our staff and you guys have kind of moved us through and got us where we need to be to Absolutely. where we feel like we're not just doing it all on pen and paper anymore. So uh, that's my background here. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, well, Samantha, you have been able to see so many different sides of Missouri Highlands and tell me more about what was that transition like going from HR manager to just uh, the benefits coordinator and then the executive assistant. Um, when you looked at HR management, you mentioned work-life balance because it it can be a lot handling HR, handling all the functions, all the situations, all the challenges. So going from that to really just focusing on benefits was probably a big change. It was. Um, it was actually, I started being able to sleep again at night. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it became a little bit easier, less challenging, let's put it that way. Um, it is something that when you do it, you know it has to be done, and there's a, there is a routine to doing it um, Absolutely. and making sure it's handled appropriately. And I, I think that's why I like it. That is more my personality is being able to check the box and, and move yeah. on, whereas when you were managing in human resources, uh, you had lots of boxes to check, and everything changed on the daily. So yes. it was a big change. It was a big adjustment. It was hard to get used to um, being able to balance things out a little bit easier, uh, but I've kind of gotten accustomed to it and in the groove of it now. And uh, like I said, I, I would love to continue doing it uh, for as long as they'll let me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I love that. And you know, obviously you have such a passion for your employees and it is an awesome part bringing them on and getting to share with them all of the benefits that you guys offer. Um, outside of communicating with your employees, uh, tell me more about your current role. Do you work with the carriers as well? Uh, work with your, your now HR manager and coordinating open enrollment. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So really the process has never left me. Um, our HR manager currently, uh, we finally expanded our HR team. So really our, our duties are divided a little bit better with the size of our uh, organization. It's more appropriate. 
So that was really something she was okay with me keeping. Um, her and I do discuss things, you know, things as simple as, you know, looking to the future and what we can do with benefits to retain staff as we recruit mm -hmm. them. Uh, but, but the majority of the time I work with our CFO um, on what those premiums are going to be and how we're going to roll that out and what the cost will be per individual. Um, and Absolutely. then obviously I work with the Higginbotham group as well. Um, during open enrollment, and they're all, they've always been great to help me with what I need. So, um, yeah, it, it makes it it makes it simple when I have people on the other end who can bring me back the information from the carriers, and I don't have to dive as far into it. Uh, that is something I have always appreciated. I feel like it's always helped me be able to streamline it a little bit better for my employees. Absolutely, and and when you're able to just have those fast processes. It, it can allow you to get information back to your employees quickly, wrap things up, check the box, and then move on to the next task. Um, that's awesome. Well, let's dive into benefits. So the first topic is looking at benefits for retainment, uh, retaining employees, recruiting employees. Um, I think in today's labor market, it, it's incredibly difficult to find qualified good teammates that will, will come on. And once you do, you've got to have a benefit program in, in order to retain and, and keep those good employees. So, so tell me more about your experience with the recruiting and retaining as it relates to benefits. I think it's like everybody in the nation right now. Uh, we all seen a change after COVID um, and what works and what doesn't. And mm -hmm. um, we're still trying to find the best thing that works. Uh, I think it's just the workforce, the day that we're in today. Um, you can offer the best benefits package. And if they see just a little bit more on the other side, they're going to they're gonna go for it. Um, this year in particular, we have really taken a dive into trying to grow our own, trying to bring people back to our communities um, once they graduate college. Uh, we're trying to structure a benefit package that really caters to what the life is living in these in these communities. Yeah. So what we're seeing is we're going to try to take a dive into if, if you take our health insurance, your pay will be this. If you don't take it, we're going to stipend you um, because we have kind of taken a survey for all the staff and those that don't take our insurance they do feel as if they could go and make a little bit more money somewhere else um, but they want to stay with us so yeah. these are this is some of the feedback we've gotten is hey i'm not taking your benefits your company's not paying for that for me would you stipend me more on the hour um, we're trying to roll that out for 2024 so once open enrollment starts we'll have those rates um, with what we can do to adjust those premiums um, for salary levels so that's one thing we're doing. And then, like I said, the other thing is we're trying to grow our own. We're trying to get into those schools early before those mm -hmm. high school kids go off to college and say, we want you to come back home. We want you to be here. You know, you can make a great living and still be around your family. Um, you know, you don't have to run off to these big cities to make a big dollar amount and have good benefits. So that's where we're at right now. I want to say we're kind of in the, the baby steps. Another thing we've looked at is actually starting tuition reimbursement. Um, if they, you know, if they are taking benefits or if they're not, and it's just all going to, that stipend's all going to matter on what that will look like. So not only is the benefit having health insurance and dental insurance, but now we're also offering the benefit of tuition reimbursement. Um, we're offering the benefit of making sure that if you're not taking the coverages we offer, we're giving you a little bit more money. And we're hoping that that's going to be something that starts to stick. Um, we've also started a program with NEMA to where we're 
bringing on students to become medical assistants, and the training's completely paid for for them. Wow. Um, so we're hoping with that, um, then they'll stick with us because that's a benefit to obviously um, coming to work for us is all that's paid for. So um, we have National Service Corps for our practitioners, nurses, dentists, et cetera. Um, but we have to look beyond that anymore. I think we really have to cater to what the people want when they are living in these communities and, and what's the best ways and means for them. That That's amazing. I, I love your first, um, your first uh, point of, taking a survey, understanding your employees' needs, because maybe their spouse has a benefit program or you know, maybe they're getting benefits elsewhere. So understanding, hey, this is the feedback we're getting from our employees and actually implementing something that's going to be a benefit to those that aren't taking the benefits. That's incredible, Samantha. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's going to be some work. We're going to have <laughs> some trials and errors. Uh, but, you know, every... We're not the first company to do it. Yeah. We just got to figure out what works best for us and our employees because we have we have phenomenal staff um, and we don't want to see them go to make fifty cents more an hour just because yeah. they don't take our health insurance and they want a little bit more here. Um, we really want to be able to retain what we have. That knowledge is key, and when you get somebody in here who has that knowledge of what an FQHC is and they understand the mission. Um, it goes a long way. It's hard when you have a revolving door and they come in and out and you can't get that mission to stick. Yeah, that's in, it's incredible. And it, it goes along with, you know, if, if you are an FQHC in, in a rural area, li listen to your employees and, and, and really get feedback from them on what is valuable to them and then alter that benefit program. That way we're hitting all the marks. Um, another thing I love what you said, Dawson, we mentioned this with our uh, podcast uh, with Nebraska PCA, was that the recruitment pipelines coming in from college and, and making sure you're even hitting them in high school or coming back to the area was really important in Nebraska. really is. Especially uh, when you're out in a rural community, like you said, it's not like uh, your your high school students are going off to Cape and Poplar Bluff and Springfield and, and wherever West Plains to go to to go to school and they get accustomed to the big city life, right? And and are getting attacked from every angle at career fairs from two hundred different employers and they've got all these options to stay in the big city. But how do you bring them back home? And it's competitive benefits packages and pension tools, like you said. You people may be more incentivized to come make a dollar more an hour and not take the, not take the benefits, maybe because it's their spouse has one or, or whatever the reason is. But one thing, the tuition reimbursement, have you got, have you, ro you're rolling that out for 2024 or have you already rolled that out? And what does that look like? Is it a three-year contract guarantee? You got to come work for Missouri Highlands for three years and it's paid over that period of time. Can you dive into that a little bit more? That, that, that triggered me. That's a really neat concept that, most haven't implemented yet. So you got to excuse my quote unquote ignorance around this because this is brand new. Um, we we are in the baby steps of it. We have one gentleman in particular um, who is going to school and we are looking at possibly it's, it's a three to four year contract. Um, we are just going to, you know, obviously reimburse that individual once he's certified in the um, career field that he's going into. When he's certified, that contract's been laid out, and we'll say, hey, we reimburse you anything that you pay, you pay for this schooling, but now we want you here for three years, four years, whatever the case may be. Um, obviously, there's going to be those stipulations in there. If they release sooner, there's so much more they have to pay us back, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
he, I was actually supposed to speak with him last week on some things, and I just barely missed him. Uh, so the CFO and I are actually going to regroup on that probably next week um, when we know a little bit more moving forward with how we're going to work with the, the benefits, open enrollment, and things coming through like that, um, and how we're going to stipend those individuals in 2024 for giving them a stipend on the hour versus taking benefits. But, yes, it'll definitely be a contract laid out. Um, it's not just it's not just going to be for those healthcare fields. Uh, it's going to be for you know if they're going to school for HVAC, if they're going to school to boost their human resources career, you know anything like that that we can do to maintain them. Um, and once we kind of have that platform laid, we got you know using our guinea pigs here so to speak and trying to get that going, then we can start telling high schoolers, you know, hey. You go to school and you become, you know, say you do want to do something other than being a dentist or being a doctor, let us know because we, we would love to work with you to say, hey, we can definitely do some tuition reimbursement based upon these factors. That, that's incredible. I think, I think that'll have a huge impact um, when you're having those conversations, especially with high schoolers um, and even the professionals in the uh, that are just getting out of dental school or whatever the situation may be uh any type of tuition reimbursement is typically a good thing <laughs> no no one's going to complain yeah. about that absolutely so uh, uh, we even talked about doing this starting a scholarship um you know again these are just all some ideas we've thrown around within the last three to six months with with some employee feedback and um kind of excited to see where it goes, uh, nervous to get it up and going because you don't know if you're just going to be hit with it really hard and everybody comes and says, this is what I want. Um, so learning how to coordinate and maintain that uh, will definitely be a challenge, but I am looking forward to it. That's awesome. Um, let's switch gears on the benefits side. So we, we've talked about uh, just some trends and, and what you guys are doing for benefit packages to recruit and retain. Uh, let's talk about communicating those benefits to your employees. Most community health centers will have one central location with a lot of the administration, HR, finance, operations, and then tons of clinics that are spread out. Uh, some maybe. 30 minutes from apart from each other, some maybe two hours apart from each other. So so how do you handle that process? What's the best practice for that in open enrollment? Well, what's worked for me recently because we have 13 locations in seven counties. So um, yeah, those drives get old, but I do <laughs> do them. Um, and I don't mind to do them. It's a great time to catch back up with staff or even meet staff that I haven't gotten to meet yes. yet. Uh, but I've, I've learned, um, it seems like over the last couple of years, the best thing is being able to start communicating when open enrollment will start. And I usually do that about a month before. And then just sending out a schedule once I have everything in place and everything's been approved to move forward um, and saying, hey, I will be at your site on this day at this time. I uh, would love to meet with you, sit down with you. Let's walk through the employee navigator and get you signed up or get you waived, whatever your case may be. We just want to take care of everybody. And I typically do that within a two-week time frame. Um, I have also learned that sticking to that hard, hard deadline, when it's over, it's over. It works. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, if I give any flexibility, there's always some that will try to do it. And uh, I, I think that's key. I think saying these are the dates and this is what it's going to be and this is how we have to do it because we're a large organization. So being there, um, communicating, being proactive ahead of time, I think has been the most successful. Last year was a very successful year for that and 
thank you, Chase, for your help yeah. with it as well. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, one thing I love about what you do is you, you're proactive with it. So a month before open enrollment, we're already communicating to our employees, hey, it's coming up, get ready, put this on your calendar. And then once everything's confirmed, set that out. So you said two weeks is what you typically do. And then you stay very hard with that cutoff date. Um, is two weeks typically enough time for your population to get in and go through their enrollments? Yeah, it, it definitely is, especially if I'm the one who's being the runner. Um, and then when I walk in and I say, hey, I'm going to be set up here. I can be here for as long as you want, but I do have other places to be. And then I can always coordinate a phone call or a Zoom to go over this if we don't get it. I try to keep a running tally of who I've met. Um, I know it's, it's a little over obsessive, but <laughs> then I know for sure why, why and who I haven't met, but um, that does work. Awesome. And then uh, lastly, with open enrollment, uh, a big piece of that is we still see some community health centers coming into fourth quarter that may still be in that pen and paper type process on filing applications, uh, collecting them, going to the clinic, running them back, scanning them in, sending them to the carrier. It's a whole big process. So tell me about that. Do you guys do that pen and paper or have you transitioned to a technology platform? Oh, we finally moved in to the world of technology a few years ago, and I have to say, that's probably why Open Enrollment's been more successful than it ever was three or four years ago. Uh, we use the Employee Navigator, and uh, that is a, it just makes it easy, and it's it's so um, user-friendly that even those that are like, I don't want to deal with this, I can sit down, show them, and they're like, well, there was nothing to that, and then I say, hey, come next year, this stuff's all going to be sitting in here. Absolutely. Again. So it's, it's <laughs> very handy. I don't ever want to go back to pen and paper. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> um, and then after you get done with open enrollment, so um, to put time frames, if if a community health center is renewing in January 1st, we're typically handling open enrollment in late October, early November. Um, and then that gives us a few months to process it. So for other uh, HR professionals, benefits coordinators, and other community health centers, um, what does that two months look like in between mid-November to 1-1 when you're complete with open enrollment but waiting for the plan renew? What does that look like for you? Well, in the past, in this pen and paper, that was uh, that was that was my busiest time. Okay. Now with Employee Navigator, I'll be honest, I try to cut it off by Thanksgiving because I'm ready to go on vacation again by the time <laughs> it's all said and done. And I want everybody to be able to relax because the holidays are here. So yes. typically, again, work, in, work with the Higginbotham group, I have to say, has, has really made this a lot easier, too. Once everything's processed, I've never had any issues with communication on where we stand, what still needs to be done. Is, did I miss something? Do I need to make sure we're making sure all the employees have yep. what they need? Um, it's not as daunting to me now. Uh, the month of December is what it used to be. Open enrollment really, I feel like, is a breeze. I feel like it comes very natural to me to be able to um, explain to the employees how it works and then just giving them the timelines of, hey, you know, here we are. It's December. Your benefits will be coming available to you on January 1. And just keeping those communication lines open. Um, the big thing is a lot of people get confused by using our nonstop health cards sometimes yes. and they don't always understand how that process works because, you know, you have to use all the money by the end of the year. Yes. And then it starts over again the next year. So making sure those employees are also like, hey, if you met your deductible, get anything done, you need to get done. <laughs> because starting on 1-1, it starts all over again. You got to meet that deductible. So really now it's a lot easier than what it used to be. 
Awesome. And um, again, thank you for explaining that because I think that process, taking that to the community health centers would, would just escalate and just put their benefits on a different level. And, and I think just being able to communicate that to the employees is so helpful and so important, again, going back to retaining those employees that you already have. Uh, so making a good process for you is just as much making a good process for your employees. And that goes right into retention and being able to communicate all the things you're working on, like tuition reimbursement, the stipend, open enrollment, I got to say is probably the best time for that. I would agree. And uh, awesome. I'm ready to uh, Samantha. Ground running, so I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much for going into what you're doing on the benefits with trends, looking at stipends and tuition reimbursements, and, and really listening to your employees all the way to what open enrollment could look like for a community health center and then what that experience has been for you with 13 or 14 different clinics in seven different counties. And being able to run that is is incredible. Um, so as we wrap up, what else do you have any other uh, call to actions or any other thoughts for other community health centers uh, watching this today? You know, I, I really think um, just being proactive and trying to forecast what um, the future is going to look like. It's, it's difficult. You know, every business is trying to do it. But I... I feel like I can be very realistic about things and not feel like within the next year, the world's problems will be solved when it comes to recruitment and retention. Mm -hmm. So I think it's always trying to stay one step ahead. Uh, think like your employees think. And I think that'll go a long way. What If I was in their shoes, what would make it easier for me to come to work? What would benefit me to come to work? And what makes me get out of bed to say, I want to be a part of this mission every day because my employer does have my back and I appreciate that. Absolutely. And I love that. Think like your employees, what would they want? Put yourself in their shoes and then structure that benefit program around them. And that's exactly what you guys are just the best example of that. So awesome. Well, thank you all for joining in today. Uh, it was a phenomenal conversation around benefits and open enrollment experience. And Samantha, thank you again so much for joining us today as well. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me and we'll chat soon. Absolutely. I'll see you next time on the CHD podcast and thank you all for joining.